both the words quality and entertainment being relative in this case. So, actually out there, they had a live broadcasting of the Ricky Chevy Redneck Hour. And we've got a slide. There we go. There's Ricky Chevy right there. Ricky Chevy Redneck Hour. And he had as his two special guests, Cletus and Billy Bob, who were promoting their new book called Our Book. Uh, and they called it Our Book, case and they ever go to the library and they'd be looking for it. They could say, y'all seen Our Book? That's why they called it Our Book. So it is by me, Cletus, and by me, Billy Bob. They done read it. It's world, world. I don't know if you can see that world famous there. So, but, but the ladies are having a great time, and we were able to obtain, after they did all the sign-ups, the top ten workshops that women were attending out there. So I thought you might want to see what those are. So number ten is... Safety training, how to drive your minivan late to church Sunday morning with three screaming kids, one barking dog while drinking a Starbucks, putting on makeup and texting. That was number 10. That was number 10. Number 9, the little-known romantic poetry of Dan and Doug Bursch. Woo! Who knew? Who knew? Number 8, donating your time, subtracting mileage, one on coffee, server studio, and other creative ways to avoid actual tithing. Think about it. You could work something out there. Number 7. Church fashion secrets, the art of wearing mismatched socks, shoes, socks, and earrings in church without being judged by the other women sitting in your row. Number six, speaking in tongues or just showing off how to tell the difference. Number five, one word a day, reading the entire Bible in only 774,746 days. Number four, grading baptismal dunks. It's not as easy as it looks, folks. Number three, spiritual gifts you can use in the kitchen. <laughs> Interestingly enough, that one did not go over as well as we had hoped. <laughs> Number two, son of Shechem, using biblical terms to swear without really swearing. <laughs> and the number one most popular workshop. I'll pray on that and 52 other Christian ways to say no. So, so we're expecting a dip in tithing and a lot more no's is what we're expecting. So. Uh, but they're going to have a great time out there. I know it'll be a lot of fun. Um, today, um, for those of you that remember Karnak the Magnificent, I hold in my hands the final passage to the final chapter of the book of Ephesians. Yes. And many of you don't know who Karnak the Magnificent is. So... Go Google it after church. You were supposed to go crazy there as if to say, thank goodness this is almost over. So this is the final part of the book of Ephesians. And I have to tell you, I struggled a lot with this small little passage for a couple of reasons. Number one, I struggled with it because it's at the end of the chapter and the end of the book and you just want to finish, don't you? You've been reading the whole thing. You just want to get done with it, right? And number two, it's pretty simple. So for those of you that don't want to listen to me today, the answer is pray. Pray. Thanks for coming. Drive safely. It's all about praying. That's what it's about. So just pray. So there you go. You don't have to hear me anymore. Just go to sleep. Do what you want to do. So I struggled a lot with it, but uh, here's why I thought I really had to dig into it. Number one, I had a whole different sermon already prepared until Pastor Dan called me and said, you remember you're preaching on Sunday, and I said yes. And he said, you're doing Ephesians, and I said, hadn't planned on it. 
And I'm a four-month preparer, not a five-day preparer. So I figured I better pray on this, which I did, and I, got, I just felt like God said, yeah, we're preaching on this. So I figured there has to be more to this than just pray. So I dug into it, and I went a lot of different directions, and I had a lot of different great angles that were really funny and cute, but when I got to the end, they just didn't connect back together. So this is what I finally came up with. So bear with me and see if this makes sense to you. I hope it does. So here's kind of the story. This is what came to my mind. My father is a soldier. He has been a soldier his whole life. He's been a career army officer in the military. He um, spent the majority of his adult life in the military. And even before that, my father grew up going to boarding schools. Not just boarding schools, but military boarding schools. He never lived at home. He always went away to military boarding school. And when he graduated from military boarding high school, I guess you would call it, my father went to a military college. He went to Pennsylvania Military College. And after he got out of Pennsylvania Military College, he went into the Army. And he'd been there for decades. And he graduated, or not graduated, he retired as a colonel in the U.S. Army. A full bird, as they call it. Got it, Gary? Full, Gary understood me. Full bird. So people would say, your dad's a full bird. And I say, yes, my dad's a full bird. So that's what they call them. So my father was in the military. And for the most part, I get what my father did. I understand it. He was a soldier in the Army. And I understood a lot of the assignments that he was assigned to. For example, when I was a very small kid, my father drove tanks. He was in the armored division. And he drove tanks up and down the German and Russian, what was then the Russian-Soviet Union border. This was during the Cold War. And his job was to take his tanks and take his unit, and they would patrol up and down the border, pointing the gun in the right direction, and they would patrol the border, making sure that the threat or a potential threat on that side of the border stayed on that side and that we were protected on this side of the border. So I get that. That was pretty simple. Later on, my father went to the Pentagon. What he did there, and this was during the Vietnam War, I don't really know what he did there. Okay, it was kind of a mystery to me. I actually went to the Pentagon with him once, and if you've ever been inside it, it's the most confusing building you will ever be in in your entire life. Because there are hallways that go on forever, and you look left, and there's another hallway that goes on forever. And you go down that hallway, and there's another hallway that goes on forever. So if he ever dropped me off somewhere, I would never have found my way out of that place. It was, it's a huge, gigantic, incredible building. But I don't know what he did there. I know that one day he came home during the middle of the day, and he was going off on a trip, and I know that he had a briefcase handcuffed to his wrist. Where he was going or what was in that briefcase, I'm pretty sure it wasn't his lunch. Uh, I don't know, but he was going somewhere, and he had something important that he did not want to lose. He was hanging on to it. So I know that he did that, but he can't even really tell me what he did there. Later on, when he was in Vietnam, I know that he was part of a special operations group called SOG, S-O-G, Special Operations Group. And what they do, they are not going to tell you what they do either. Everybody in the military is going, yep, and they know exactly what I'm talking about. So I know it was good, I guess, important. I know my father received medals, but when he shows me the medals, he, all he will say to me is, whatever you see on that plaque there, that's as much as I can tell you. So he can't really tell me what he did. And then when he was in Thailand, I know that he was jumping out of airplanes. And I know now anyway, the little bit I know, I know that he was jumping into Laos 
and Cambodia and places where at the time the U.S. government would have told you we have no military presence, except for my dad and I'm sure other people. So what did my dad do? I don't know. For me, it's kind of a mystery. It's stuff I really don't understand. I know he's working in the background. I know he was working kind of undercover, but I don't really know what he did. And I probably will never know. I'd like to know, but some things I just won't know. So I tell all of you this because of this. This passage today follows on the heels of what Pastor Dan spoke about last Sunday, which is the armor of God. So it has a military reference to it. And Paul used that reference because there were a lot of soldiers around the Ephesians at that time. So they would have been able to look at a Roman soldier and say, I get it. It made sense to them. So, so that's why I'm, I'm using this passage here today. So Pastor Dan Toka talked about the equipment of the soldier, the duty of the soldier, and the responsibility of the soldier. And you, if you didn't catch it, didn't, may not realize this, but you're in God's army. This is an army. We're in a battlefield if you don't know it. And today's passage is not a separation from Pastor Dan's message. It's a continuation of it. So let's first review the passage from last week. And it went like this. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And then we continue with today's passage, and this is from the Amplified Version. It says, pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. And pray also for me that the freedom of utterance may be given me, that I may open my mouth to proclaim boldly the mystery of the good news, the gospel, for which I am an ambassador and coupling chain in prison. Pray that I may declare it boldly and courageously as I ought to do. So first of all, and again, these passages go together. together. Secondly, don't breeze over this armor of God stuff. We hear it and it sounds good and it's catchy and we kind of get it, but don't overlook it. Because you've been given those pieces of equipment for a specific reason. You have the helmet of salvation. You have God's salvation. You have the breastplate of righteousness. You are made righteous with Christ. That was way back in Ephesians 2, but this is all coming together now. You have the breastplate of righteousness. You have the belt of truth. You have your feet fitted with the peace of God. You're walking in God's peace. You have the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. This is all yours. Whether or not you choose to put it on is up to you. But Paul tells us, put it on. And then, what do you do after that? This is what it says in verse 18. Pray at all times, on every occasion, in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. So fill in number one, we are called to a duty, a responsibility. We are called to pray perpetually. And if you want to use the word always, go ahead. I just wanted the P's. So pray perpetually. Always. Pray all the time, at all times, on every occasion, in every season. This is what Paul instructs us to do. We have the armor of God on. We're all dressed up with no place to go. Don't just stand there. Take action. Pray. Pray when you wake up in the morning. 
Pray when you go to bed at night. Pray when you're thankful, when you're sad, when you don't know what to do, and even when you think you do know what to do. Pray everywhere. In James 5, 13 to 16, it says this. Anyone who is having troubles should pray. Anyone who is happy should sing praises. Anyone who is sick should call the church elders. And they should pray for and pour oil on the person in the name of the Lord. And the prayer that is said with faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will heal that person. And if the person has sinned, the sins will be forgiven. Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that God can heal you. When a believing person prays, great things happen. When a believing person prays, great things happen. Now, some of you might be saying to me today, great things ain't happening to me, Pete. I hear you. But did you hear what God said? I hear you. I really do. I know things are tough. But did you hear what God said? God said when a believing person prays, great things happen. Let me give you a couple other translations. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. The prayer from the heart of a man right with God has much power. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. When a believing person prays, great things happen. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. And I know things aren't going well sometimes, so what if things aren't going well? Here's your homework. Go read Psalm 55. Psalm 55 is about a soldier in battle, and things are not going well. And I love his prayer because it's so honest. Read the whole thing to really get a grasp of, of, the, of the troubles he's going through. But this is his prayer. He says, evening and morning and at noon I will utter my complaint and moan and sigh. That's a prayer. But then he says this, and he will hear my voice. He has redeemed my life in peace, because you're wearing the shoes of peace, in the battle. That was against me so that no one came near me for there were many who strove with me. So in the middle of this battle, this this psalmist, this soldier, when things were tough and hard, he still prayed when he was desperate. He prayed. He didn't have anything to rejoice over. Nothing. Things were bad, very bad, but he prayed and they weren't happy prayers, were they? But they were prayers. They're still prayers. God knows where you're at. My first prayer to God, I can tell you, it was so disrespectful. I couldn't have been more disrespectful to God. But he heard me. I wouldn't do it today because I know a lot more now. But pray. Pour out your heart to him. Pray perpetually. Pray when you're sad, when you're confused, when you're frustrated with this Christian life, because it can be frustrating. Pray when you're worried. Pray when you have evil thoughts. Pray when you sin. Pray Pray perpetually. And it doesn't mean walking around in a trance. Oh, Lord Jesus. I went. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean walking around in a trance, not being able to function in this world. It means having an attitude of prayer. Having a prayer always on your mind. If I run into anything, if I see anything, if I hear anything, I'm going to pray. Praying perpetually. Make sense? Clear? You ready for the test? I got a test for you. Come on, if you really believe that, I got a test for you. Here's the hypothetical situation. 
I hope it never happens to you. Your name is Pete, and you decide you're going to go run in a 5K. So you drive out there in your car. You get there. You park. Everything's great. You take the key off the keychain. You put it in the little pocket in your running shorts. You go register. You get all your goodie bags and all that stuff. You go back to the car to dump all that stuff off. And then you remember, and why you didn't remember before, but then you remember that this key does not open the door to your car. It's got too worn down over the years. This part works, the little whatever you call it, the little key fob works. Beep, beep, it opens. That's great. But this doesn't open anything. Hasn't opened it for years. Doesn't open the trunk. Has never opened the trunk as far as I can remember. And I've tried. Does not work. Doesn't open the side door. Doesn't open the passenger. Doesn't open. What do you do? Oh, pray. Yeah, you're all perfect. That's why I hate this church. Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah. I wish I was that good. Yeah, that's why I don't come to this church, because you're all perfect. See? Yeah, I wish I just said, oh, I'll just pray, and that'll fix everything. No, no, I'm Pete. See, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to get in that car, right? I'm going to find a way, right? Because I'm a man, and I'm going to get there. I don't care. I'm not calling my wife, because I know what I'm going to hear on that end of the phone. <laughs> Love you, honey. <laughs> Thought you were at the retreat. <laughs> Doesn't work. Okay, what do I do? I, maybe if I stick it in, like, really hard and jiggle the, like, right? That, that'll work. That's got to work. Maybe if I pull it out just a tiny bit, maybe if I move it up and down, maybe it'll work. It didn't work. Maybe, uh, maybe the trunk will work now. I haven't tried it in a couple of years, but I know it didn't work two years ago. But maybe, that, you know, same thing, didn't work. Up and down to back to the side. No, it didn't work. Okay. All right, what do I do? Because my wallet's in there, my, key, my phone's and everything's in there. I got nothing now. I got a key that doesn't work. Okay, I'm not praying yet. Okay, so, so I go run the race. I run the race, right? And then I'm looking around for somebody with a nice face. Maybe I can borrow their phone. Okay, this guy lets me borrow his phone. He's selling something there, so he's got to be nice. So I borrow his phone. I try calling my wife. She doesn't answer because she doesn't recognize the number. I call the home number thinking she'll hear boom, boom, and then she'll go, oh, it must be somebody because, no, she didn't answer. Um, should have left a message. I don't know. But even when I call her, what am I going to do? This is the only key we have. And this is the only one of these we have. Okay, so what's she going to do except maybe call the roadside assistant and send them out or something? Okay, so now I'm really frustrated. I give the guy's phone back and walking along, and I finally said, finally got to where you good Christians are. I finally said, I said, Lord, help me. I need help. We prayed. Then what do you do? Well, if you're like me, then you go. Okay, God's going to send me you know, a triple A truck's going to magically slide through the parking lot and. Oh, that's great. There's going to be a locksmith that's running in the race, you know, that happens to be right there. This is perfect. Thank you, Jesus. Because I start coming up with the way God should answer my prayers. Right? I don't know about you, but I figure if I'm praying, I better give him some help because, you know, he might run out of ideas. So, so I'm like, you know, okay, locksmith. Blah, blah. I'm looking. I really am. I'm looking around for the locksmith truck. Right? Then just thinking maybe. And I'm thinking, okay, I can walk to Meridian, which is a couple of mi- a mile away, and maybe, I don't know, I'll see a locksmith shop there. So I don't know. I don't know what to do. Um, 
So then, uh, then I get this thought. It says, rub some grass on your key. <laughs> you ever get an answer like that where you go, seriously? That's the best you got? Triple A is a much better answer than rubbing grass on my key. But I did it. I don't know why, because it's the stupidest idea I've ever heard in my life. So I took some grass, and I'm rubbing on the key, hoping nobody's watching me. Then I go over to my car, and I'm like, that didn't work. And I went around to the trunk, and I'm like, pop. Trunk opens up. It doesn't even make any sense to rub grass on it. It still doesn't make sense. At least give me an answer where I can look back and go, good one. At least I can give them some credit. But I'm having to stand up here telling you this somehow worked. I don't know how it worked. And then this little kid's walking by with his dad because, you know, the space between the trunk and the car is this big. And I'm like, come here. <laughs> I said, this is going to sound really weird, but can you, you're young and nimble and small. Can you crawl through there and pop that door for them? So he looks at his dad, and his dad's like, all right. So, so he, caught, and he got me in the door. So pray, pray, pray. Yeah. Why did it make sense? I don't know. It's a mystery to me. Just pray. That's all I can tell you. Hey. There you go. That's why it doesn't make sense. So it goes on my list of questions I will ask him when I get there. How did this work? Because I don't get it. So pray. Can't sleep? Pray. That's about, I do that. I, I'll give myself credit for that one. When I can't sleep, I figure either I'm worrying about something or the enemy's trying to bother me. And by the way, I'm just going to pray because that's a sure way to get rid of one of those things. So I'm just praying for everybody and everything. I'm just praying. So, And by the way, I'm not one of those people that believes that the devil caused my lock, me to do that. That was just me being stupid. Okay, I locked myself out of the car. The devil didn't, like, lock me out of my car. So that's just me being stupid. So pray always, pray everywhere, pray always. Pray perpetually. I love what this lady, Anne Lamont, said. She said this. She said, churches are good for prayer, but so are garages and cars and mountains and showers and dance floors. She said, years ago I wrote an essay that began, some people think that God is in the details, but I have come to believe that God is in the bathroom. Pray everywhere. Pray everywhere. And why do we pray? Because we've been called to duty. We've been called to pray. We've been called to put on the armor of God, and we've been called to pray. You're on the front line. You're standing firm. You're wearing the armor of God. Pray. And don't stop when you think the prayer has not been answered. Or you think God said no. See, we see answers in the physical realm. I'm praying for that new job, and I don't have it yet. So we give up praying. We think God has ignored us. But don't forget that before this passage was the passage on the armor of God. And before that passage, and they all go together, was the passage that said, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God. Therefore, pray. It all goes together. 
It's a spiritual battle, not a physical battle. And as a result of the fact that it's a spiritual one, put on the armor of God. And once you have that armor of God on, what do you do? We pray. And what do we do? We pray perpetually. And number two, we are called to pray purposely. Purposely. And this is not an exhaustive list here. This is not the answer to all your problems. These are just certain types of prayer that we can pray purposely. And the answer is not to know what they are. The answer is to know why you are praying. Why are you praying? Here's the first one, right? Prayers of agreement. This is probably the most important type of prayer. Don't stand alone on the front lines of the battlefield. Military units are not made up of one person. They're made up of people. And those units are made up into battalions. And I forget, Gary, what they do. They're all different little units and types and battalions and all those things, all those groupings. They're small groups, and they get into bigger groups, and those get into bigger groups. They're there together for a reason. Jesus tells us, again, if I tell two of you on, if I tell you that if two of you on earth agree on anything and ask for it, it will be done for you by my, my Father in heaven. For where two or more come together in my name, there I am with them. Do you realize what kind of power we're talking about here? If you and I will just get together and pray together, Jesus promises to come right there with us. That's tremendous. That's unbelievable power. We can pray by ourselves, and I encourage you to do that. But come together with another brother and sister. Come together with your wife and your husband. Come together with your coworkers. Pray together. And Jesus says, I promise to be right there with you. That's my promise. We stand on that promise. Come together. So today, if you have a need or a desire or a lack or anything, don't walk out those doors without coming up here and finding somebody to pray with. Don't be alone. We've got people all over here that would love to pray with you. They'd be honored to pray with you. Men and women of great faith who just want to join together with you. And beat back the enemy. Don't walk out those doors today. I know in our minds we think we've we've got all the answers, and if this doesn't happen, then this can't happen. Listen, if God can rub grass on my key and open the door, God can solve your issue. It won't make any sense to you, I know, and I can give you hundreds of examples. I know that's a stupid example, but I can give you hundreds of examples. Don't walk out of here alone. Pray in agreement. This is why we call this church. This is why we have church. If that wasn't needed, we could all be at home watching it on TV by ourselves. We come here together so that we can pray for each other and support each other. Pray in agreement. Prayers of faith. That's the second one. Jesus said, when you ask, believe. It's done. I don't see it yet. Still done. It's done. It's finished. It's complete. You may not have received it physically yet, but remember, it's not a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual battle. And Hebrews 11.1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I don't see it yet doesn't mean it hasn't happened. When we pray and believe, it's done. That's what Jesus said. When I was broke, 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 and believe me, I was broke. I was broke. (laughs) 
my net worth was negative, if I had the value of my car and the value of what I had and all my bills, I was negative. That's a pretty bad place to be, at least when you have a car or something. At least you can say, well, the car's worth 2000 and at least that makes me even on my net worth. But I was way below that. When I was broke, God kept pointing me back to his word. And I'd point at my finances and he'd point back to the word. What's my word say? And when he asked me to tithe, I said, I don't have money. I need money. Perhaps you misunderstood me. (laughs) He asked me to tithe and he pointed me to his word. I didn't have it yet, but he said, look at my word. He said, look at Malachi 3.10. What does that say? That says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not room enough to store it. Try me. And I can tell you, I believed it, and I bought it, and God was faithful. So if you're struggling with finances, and I don't get paid by the church so I can say this, if you're struggling with finances, I can tell you my story long before I even came to this church. What God did for me, he will do for you. Prayers of faith, prayers of submission. Jesus could not be a better example here. He said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. I don't want to go to that cross. I don't want to suffer that. But Lord, he said, not my will, but yours be done. If you're willing to pray a prayer of submission, God will move in a mighty way. If it's truly coming from your heart. The best prayer I ever made was a prayer of submission. When I said, Lord, you know my heart. You know what I want. But you know me better than I know myself. So not my will, but whatever you say, Lord. And God moved in a mighty way. And he will do the same for you. It's a prayer of submission. The next one's prayer of praise and worship. Luke 2.20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had seen. See, I try to thank God every morning when I wake up. Because today is the day, I say out loud, but very quietly because my wife is sleeping. Today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I say it out loud every morning. It's a prayer of praise. Nothing's even happened, but I will praise him. Thank you, Lord, for peace when I don't have any peace, because you are peace. David Wilkerson writes in his book, he's got a book called Hallowed Be Thy Names. He says that knowing and believing in God's character as revealed in his names is a powerful shield against Satan's lies. And he has all these names for God that are in the Bible. He is. God is the Most High. God is the creator of heaven and earth. He's the Lord who sees. He's the Lord who provides. He's the Lord who heals you. He's the Lord who pardons. He is God with us. Proclaim those names. If you don't know anything else to do, proclaim those names. When you're at your end of the rope, just proclaim his name. And praise him for it and thank him for it. And finally on my short list, a prayer of intercession. Intercessing is just simply praying for others. Stepping aside from yourself and praying for others. 
It seeks not only to know God's will and see it fulfilled, but to see it fulfilled whether or not it benefits us and regardless of who it's for. And I know it doesn't sound like any fun because we got stuff we want. But this is intercessory prayer. Pray for others. And who are you supposed to pray for? Well, God's Word tells us we're to pray for everyone in authority. Even those politicians we didn't vote for. They're in authority. Pray for them. We're to pray for our pastors. We're to pray for the church. Not just LifeSpring, but the church. The church down the street. The church in Tacoma. That's why as a church we want to give to those churches. We want to build the body of Christ, whether it's here or in another building. It's not a selfish motive. We're, we're to pray for our friends. We're to pray for our fellow countrymen. We're to pray for the sick. We're to pray for our enemies. We're to pray for those who persecute us. We're to pray for those who forsake us. We're to pray for all men. Paul writes in his passage today, For which I am an ambassador in a coupling chain in prison. Pray that I might declare boldly as I ought to do. Paul is in the midst of prison. He's shackled in prison. And he's writing to encourage others. He's saying, yeah, pray for me too, but pray for all these people. He's writing an encouragement letter when he is shackled to the wall. When Peter was in prison, we learn in Acts 12.5 that the church was earnestly praying for him. This was intercessory prayer. The Greek word here for earnestly means fully stretched, extended, strenuously, without giving up. It's a big word. They were praying fervently for him. Get the picture? Now, Peter was bound with chains. We learn this in the Bible. Shackled with chains. He had two Roman guards, one on either side of him. And Roman guards, if you don't know it, if you fell asleep on the job, you were executed. You stayed awake or you died. So he was chained and right next to him were two guards. And then we had another guard outside there and then we had another guard outside there. So pretty hopeless situation. And maybe you can relate to a hopeless situation. Put yourself there and then ask us to pray for you. What happened? Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed by the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Intercessory prayer. Notice all that is happening in this one short passage in the spiritual realm. The shackles were real. The guards were real. The guards outside the gate were real. The gate was real. But they prayed in a spiritual realm. Thomas Watson said, It was an angel that fetched Peter from the prison, but it was prayer that fetched the angel. It's in the spiritual realm. Wearing God's armor, we are to pray perpetually. We are to pray purposely. And finally, we are called to pray persistently. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance. Paul is saying here, 
that as you pray perpetually and as you pray purposely, also pray persistently. Don't give up. If you were here when Pastor Adam's father, Robert Henderson, spoke, he did a great job. And even if you were here, go out on the Internet and Google it. It's Robert Henderson and watch the video because he, he uh, I saw it on the Internet. He speaks for a much longer time than he had to speak here. But he does this great job about talking about the widow who went to the evil judge to ask for justice. And the, and the judge said, I don't want to give it to her, but because she keeps coming to me, she's going to wear me out. So I'm going to give her what she asked for. And Jesus says, if the evil judge is willing to do that, how much more your Father in Heaven is willing to do that for you? Be persistent. Keep going at it. In fact, the term she is wearing me out, it's actually, it's actually a, a fighting term. It's a boxing term. Picture two soldiers doing hand-to-hand combat. And the judge says, this old woman is wearing me out. She won't give up. So finally the judge says, I give up. You can have what you want. That's what's going on here. Don't give up. Keep praying. In the book of Daniel, we see Daniel mourning for three weeks because his prayer isn't answered. And then an angel comes to him, and the angel says to him, Don't be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and humbling yourself before God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, angels, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. So for three weeks of prayer and no answer, and yet the angel comes to him and says to him, I heard you from day one. Your prayer was heard from day one. But there was a spiritual battle going on that you can't see, that you're not privy to. That was happening in the spiritual realm. But with persistent prayer, eventually we see the physical reality of it all. Keep praying. Your response is coming. You have been heard. Sometimes at work I get this chance to do this long walk. I don't know if I've shared this with you before or not, but I do this long walk, one mile up, one mile back at lunch sometimes. And one mile up I I, I enter that courtroom that Pastor Henderson talked about, that courtroom where I'm before the judge, Father God, and the enemy is accusing me. And for the first mile, I plead guilty. I plead guilty to everything. I plead guilty to all my sins. I plead guilty to the sins of my children, my wife, my family, my father, my mother, everybody. I plead guilty because I am guilty. I take the first mile just to pour out my sin before God. But then I turn the corner. And then I get to claim God's promises. I get to claim the fact that Jesus has already paid the price for all those sins. I get to claim the price that I'm redeemed by his blood. And then I get to make my decrees. I get to ask God for my decrees. I ask for a decree for my son who's still struggling with his faith. I ask for a decree for these finances for this person. I ask for a decree against this job. Keep praying. Be persistent. Don't give up. It's powerful. Try it. God rewards persistence. Pray purposely, pray persistently, and pray perpetually. Let me call the worship team back up as I close with this. So we're soldiers at war. We're called to duty. We're called to pray perpetually, purposely, and persistently. 
Let me finish off with this right here. This is a little poem I found, and I love it. I think this pretty much describes it. Many warriors have gone to battle riding mounted, prancing steeds, but the Christian goes to battle when he falls upon his knees. The greatest warfare will take place when the Christian kneels to pray, as though the foes may be unseen, but our prayers will hold them at bay. Angelic hosts surround us, waiting to minister to our needs, and the battle line is drawn when we fall upon our knees. The world may think this battle strange, for they cannot understand, but when God's children are on their knees, then he will take command. The fiery darts are often hurled to catch us unaware, but they will never find their target when we spend much time in prayer. Pray. And if you need help after service and you want to pray, I would love to pray with you, and I know others would too. Just come forward after service and let us pray with you. We join me in prayer as we close. Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are mighty and awesome, Lord, that you never change, that your word is a rock upon which we stand, Father God. Thank you, Lord, that we can come to you in whatever shape we're in, Lord, and you accept us. You take us just like we are. Thank you, Father God, that no matter what our need, no matter what our situation, no matter where we put ourselves, you still hear us. And you promise to be there for us. We give you all the praise and all the glory. And we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.